0: All right, take your Bibles, go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1. What we are dealing with in Ephesians 1 is is the celebration of what is the greatest gift that we could possibly have ever received. And the Apostle Paul is writing in Ephesians 1 trying to explain what we have been given in that gift. And what he's done, starting in verse 3 and actually running all the way to verse 14, is a giant... English grammar teacher's nightmare. It is the longest run-on sentence in the world. And, and so from, from my perspective, as I sit down and try to unpack it and analyze it and try to draw from that sentence, what it is that, that Paul is trying to remind us of, what, what, what it is that, that Paul is trying to communicate in this giant run on sentence. And you try to do all the fancy sentence diagramming and block diagramming and try to pull from the, and what, what you come on, come to the conclusion of is this. Paul is just oozing excitement, celebration of what we have, and he uses this this phrase over and over again, in him, in him, in Jesus, through him, in the beloved. He, he mentions that over and over and over again through this, this passage. And so let me just make sure that all of us are understanding very quickly what it means to be in him and what it doesn't mean. So if you're here with us this morning, and man, I'm glad you're here, even if this is you, I'm glad you are here. If you are here with us this morning and you think you have a relationship with God because you are a moral person who lives good enough, then what's going to happen this morning as we look at what we have in him, you will be remarkably underwhelmed. Because if you think that your standing with God is a result of your own moral living, you hear what Jesus did, and it's not met with joy. It's not met with amazement or emotion as you consider the love of Christ, because, hey, you earned that standing yourself. And I will tell you, if that's you, you're not in him. If you're here this morning and you think you have a relationship with God because everybody has a relationship with God, because, hey, that's what God does. You also will hear these things and be remarkably blah. And I will tell you, you are not in him. But if you understand that God entered the world in Jesus Christ to give us a salvation that there is no way we could get for ourselves. If you understand that Jesus Christ paid your penalty, that his body was broken for you, that his blood was shed for you because you're a sinner, if you understand that the only way to a relationship with God is to accept the payment that Jesus made on your behalf, to rely on Jesus' righteousness, to, to carry you into God's Presence and to be met with joy before the Father instead of condemnation. If you understand that all of that happens through Jesus Christ, then you're in Him. And what you're going to find are words and concepts and celebrations in just this very short amount, three verses here, that are going to blow your mind. One of the words that Paul uses to kick us off, look at verse 7, in Him... We have redemption through his blood. We have redemption through his blood. To redeem means to purchase and then to set free by paying a price. So, so in this time, slavery was incredibly common in the, the Roman Empire. You could buy and sell people like you buy and sell furniture today. But you could also buy a person and then simply set them free after you purchased them. In him, we have redemption. Through his blood. Jesus Christ paid the price we couldn't pay, and in doing so, he set us free. So so think about this for a minute. As you you look at the elements that are before you, and you don't have to hold them yet, I'll I'll give you a heads up, I promise. What you see is a cracker and a juice, but it's not about the element itself, it's the picture. And, And what these elements picture isn't the price of our redemption, the price of our ransom, the price of our penalty being silver or gold. What these things picture is exactly what Peter tells us. He says, you were not, uh, you know you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited of your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold. But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of an unblemished lamb. Jesus Christ, God in flesh, born in a manger, crucified on the cross, brought freedom to everyone who is in him. We have been forever set free from the chains of sin. Now think about that for a second. Forever set free from the chains of sin. And then, you know what most of us do? We wander back into our jail cell. And we find the chains again, and we're like, I don't understand how they fell off. But God, in his kindness allows Jesus Christ to continue walking us out of our cell back into the light again and again and again. And Paul tells us that we need that. See, we've been redeemed through his blood, continues, the forgiveness of our trespasses. We need to be reminded of what we have in him. Not only do we have redemption, we have forgiveness. And though we've been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ in order to truly be free, we need to understand that we have forgiveness. At the Last Supper, Jesus stood before his disciples and he said, this is, this is my blood which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And, and I think oftentimes as we observe communion together, we hear that phrase, we, we consider the concept, and rightly so, it, it brings to us a, a sense of mourning at times. Because, man, it's because of my sin that the innocent, spotless Lamb of God had to be sacrificed. That's, that's a heavy thing, isn't it? But when Jesus said to his disciples, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins, this wasn't a cause to mourn. This is Jesus inviting the disciples and inviting you and I into celebration. Think about this. There is no way to rid yourself of your sins. There's no way to cleanse yourself of your trespasses. And yet in Jesus Christ, through the redemption that we have received through his blood, Jesus is inviting us to celebrate the fact that we have truly been set free. We're told in in, in Psalm Uh, 103, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Goofy question. Where do east and west meet? Now, there's a place in Texas that claims that's where it happens. (laughs) That's the point. The forgiveness that we get to experience in the finished work of Jesus Christ, he has taken our sins and he said, okay, I'm going to separate those sins from you. And the only time that they'll come back on you is when East and West truly meet. He, there's, there's also this beautiful picture in Jeremiah where, where Jesus, or the Jeremiah says, speaking for God, I will forgive their iniquity and I will never again remember their sin. Now, please understand this. There are ways to understand the concept of forgetting and remembering. And it's important to know. It's not like God all of a sudden has those, those moments that, that suddenly I seem to be having. Honey, where's my phone? It's in your hand. Oh, that's good news. (laughs) It's not like God was like, oh, that guy did something once. No, what it is is in Jesus Christ, God has forgiven us, and he willingly, intentionally, and purposefully puts the guilt of our sin out of his mind. He will never bring that against us again. Micah chapter 7, God again will have compassion on us. He will vanquish our iniquities. God is going to cast your sins into the depths of the sea. Okay, think about that for a second. And have you lost anything in the water before? So... My young, uh, daughter, my oldest daughter, Amber, and I were playing in the waves, Ocean City, New Jersey. Told the story before, big wave comes in, I've got her hand, she's got a bathing suit on and little shorts over her bathing suit. This wave comes in and just bam! I mean, it hits her hard, I got feet instead of hands. Hair is everywhere, there's coughing and, and, and sorry, snot. I mean, she is just gagging on the salt water. It's been this horrible just collision of wave and daughter, and I was a horrible father and didn't hold her up the right way. But then I pick her up and we run to shore. And Of course, and this may surprise you, my way of dealing with tragedy in my my, children's lives is to get them to laugh. There was no laughing. To this day, she remains the most difficult one to make laugh. It might have to do with that one occurrence. But after a few moments, we recognize something. Those little shorts were gone. No clue where they went. Gone forever. Have you ever dropped a cell phone in a lake? Some of you are just like, like looking at each other. That's mean. Like. Imagine dropping it in the depths of the ocean. God is trying to communicate to us that In him, we have such a forgiveness that all of our sins of thought, word, deed, action, passivity, whatever it might be, has been completely forgiven. Not because God doesn't care what we've done or how we treat people, but because Jesus Christ has already suffered the punishment for all of our sins. We've truly been set free. Now I know, I want to say that two, two basic reactions can come. So, so if there is truly forgiveness and he's going to just forgive everything I do, then I can live any way I want and then ask for forgiveness because God has to give me forgiveness, it says right here. Um, you're not a Christian. <gasps> if you believe you can live any way you want and then God simply has to forgive you for it, you are not in him. See, in fact... You serve a God that looks like you in the mirror. Because what you have chosen is to live any way you want, make yourself the the highest authority, do whatever pleases you. You are actually worshiping yourself and trying to use God to get you out of jail free. And I promise you, God will not be used by anyone. Don't be deceived. I think the second response to hearing about forgiveness... Is, is, is actually, so it's a second response because it's my response. Man, am I a loser. How many times do I have to ask forgiveness for the same thing? I mean, there, there are times um, in weeping where I've made the comment to God, it's like, I must be such a huge disappointment to you for everything you've done for me. And I can't let that go. For everything you have demonstrated to me. So, so I got good news, though. Even though there's times we can feel we're simply being tolerated by God, we're a disappointment to him. There's times when you fall. There's times where you stumble. There's times where, where you trip. And, and, and that list of how many reasons or, or how many trips or how many stumbles you have, the only person actually keeping track of those is you. But you cling to those, and as you look at those, you're like, man, God just... God says this in Isaiah, I have swept away your transgressions like a cloud, your sins like a mist. Return to me. I have redeemed you. So the beauty of being set free by God is you have truly been set free. And that means when I stumble, when I fall, when I screw up again and again and again, if I am in him instead of running away from him like the child who knows daddy's coming home, I'm running to him to experience the refreshing redemption he's already given to me. Forgiveness I receive from God in my own failures isn't based on me and my failures or how good I was the week leading up to the failure. The forgiveness I receive from God is based on the life and death of Jesus Christ. That broken body, that shed blood tells us we don't need to be perfect because God already is. Tells us that there's room at the cross for people who keep screwing it up. And the only thing that makes sense of that is grace. Now, it doesn't make sense. So, you look at how Paul says this. In him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. That grace has been richly poured out on us, it's been lavished upon us, it's been dumped out on us. God is waterboarding us with his grace. Think about this. So, we're sinners. We're separated from God because of our sin, and we cannot do anything to bridge that separation on our own. Even our best deeds are like filthy rags in his eyes. We're hopeless. For God to allow a sacrifice for our sin, that's grace. For God to provide a sacrifice for our sin, that's amazing grace. Grace. For God to become the sacrifice for our sins. It's impossible to comprehend. You can't possibly figure it out. How is it possible that the sinless son of God, Jesus Christ himself, would push me out of the way and receive in his body the full wrath of God on my behalf? How is it possible That after I have screwed up time and time and time again, instead of him just turning his back in disgust on me, what he's done is said, no, my blood covers that sin. That's because of grace. And the depths of God's grace for us is immeasurable. It's ridiculous. It's over the top. And so as we look at the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we we look at that with a celebration in our mind because this is for you. Your sin. My sin. <laughs> There's one more thing that I, I think we overlook too often, and I think it's important that we understand it. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time. To bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth, in Him. So, we live in a culture that is clamoring for answers, explanations, reasons. We want to know the real story behind the the news headlines, we we want to understand all the secrets of our culture. That's exactly the church at Ephesus. They were into mysteries and magic, incantations and divinations. They wanted to understand exactly what was happening all the time. And Paul says to them, I want you to know that there is a mystery that has been revealed. Now, as you read through the New Testament and you read Paul, he uses the word mystery on a number of occasions. He talks about the mystery of the truth of the gospel, that God would save a soul like me. He says the mystery is the the relationship between Christ and the church. He says the mystery is the fact that the Gentiles would be allowed to be grafted into the family of God with Jews. And so all of those things are listed out as mysteries in the New Testament. But here, here we find Paul saying, no, here is another mystery. And this is the same mystery that Jesus Christ shared with his disciples the night that he shared Last Supper with them. And if you understand this mystery... This truth is going to fill you with hope and joy and peace. If you understand this truth and anchor yourself in it, it's going to help you with the difficulties of the day. And guess what? It's not going to cost you $19.99. There is no book. There is no blog post. There is no um, recording. There's no MP3 to listen to. No podcast to listen to. None of those things. Here it is. You ready? This is the mystery that Paul is talking about. So, So you need to lean into this. The mystery is your life is not about doing everything perfectly. Your joy doesn't come from having wonderful health. It's not about experiencing a full bank account. It's not about relationships that never experience a bump. It's, It's not about never being sinned against by somebody else. The mystery of life is not about living in this utopian society where everything is awesome just like in Legoland. The mystery is that you can and should be living a life without being intimidated by today's culture, by the pressure of the people around you. You will not be overwhelmed by poor health. You won't be crushed when that check bounces. Your future hope it said, someday, everything will be made right in Jesus Christ. He says this at the right time, at the appropriate time, God is going to, and he uses these words, bring all things together in heaven and on earth under one authority, and that authority is Jesus Christ. He's going to bring it all together. That word is to sum everything up, to to order everything, to to make everything harmonious under Jesus. That is actually the term that is used for the closing argument in a court case. And so so what, what, what he's trying to communicate is this, at the right time, then the history of all the world is going to be revisited, and it's all going to be done in this closing argument of Jesus, and he's going to say this, hey, guess what, I created everything, and I created it perfectly. Then sin entered into the world, and it shattered everything, and everybody fell into brokenness, not just people, but things. but I came into the world to redeem the world. You know, what Paul's saying is sometime soon the whole world is going to be renewed. Death, decay, injustice, suffering, all of those things are going to be removed. Everything is going to be made right. There is coming a day, and I... I <laughs> so I don't know what you talk about, what everybody talks about on their way into church. All of us walk into this place with burdens and heaviness. And if we have true relationships one with another, oftentimes what will happen is standing out in that lobby, there will be this unloading of the weight of a soul to another person. And if we're good friends with one another, we can, we can be proactive about that. Hey, how'd that go this week? <laughs> so staff is making jokes. We're passing around this, this terrible head cold. We're all COVID negative so far. But we all keep getting sick. It's like, so So this morning it was, how you feeling? How you feeling? Now think about this. Some of you have experienced some of the most heart-wrenching tragedies in all of life, and you're still trying to walk your way through it. Some of you have experienced a, a level of cancer that is unthinkable and difficult. There is coming a day when you will stand before Jesus. I'm not going to walk up to you and be like, hey, how, how's the treatment going? No, 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 no. You're going to say, what are you talking about? It's Jesus. I've got no cancer. All things have been made right. What suffering, what difficulty, what brokenness, what guilt, what what sickness, what disappointment? Paul says the great mystery is that because of the redemptive life and death and and, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, although all things had been broken, everything that is currently dislocated, everything that needs reconciliation and restoration is going to be restored in harmony in Jesus Christ. And wonder of wonders, it'll never be undone. And when that happens, if you are in him, you have been invited to the reception. See, Jesus says that at the Last Supper. We just, when we observe communion together, we tend to skip over it. So let me me just read this to you. So so in preparation for observing communion, let me just read this to you. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to the disciples, and he said this, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and he said, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you. I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. See, there's a reason to celebrate because there's going to be a party that is going to blow every party you've ever been to out of the water. I don't care what band was there, what fancy food or drink or attire you were wearing. I don't care if you love masquerades and you were wearing a SpongeBob SquarePants costume like none other. There is coming a day when you are going to stand in the kingdom of God with Jesus Christ himself, and he is going to raise the glass and say, let's celebrate. All things have been made new. This body was broken for you. This blood was shed for you. As you observe these elements, as you take the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the cracker and the juice, reminding you of how far Jesus went to redeem you. As you receive those things, you do it as you remember me. But don't forget this. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. See, what we're celebrating is this is just practice. I mean, it's, it's a pretty pathetic rehearsal. Come on. If somebody was like, hey, I'm going to have a party. Let me give you a little sample. You'd be like, um. But there is coming a day. <laughs> There's coming a day when we no longer have to take the broken cracker and the juice to remember that Jesus Christ was broken so that we could be fixed. It's coming a day (laughs) we'll see him face to face. And I promise, we're not going to be mourning. We're going to celebrate the fact that in him, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our sins. As the worship team comes, "Just, just spend a moment Spend a moment reflecting on what it is that Jesus Christ did for you in offering himself as your spotless sacrifice. For I receive from the Lord what I have passed on to you. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said to his disciples, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, as we hold this little cracker in our hand, We know it. It's such a small picture of such an amazing sacrifice. So Father, as we remember your willingness to lay down your life for us, I pray we would celebrate the fact that in you, we have the forgiveness of our sins. Amen. This is the body of Christ. Let's take it together in remembrance of him. In that same way, Jesus also took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the priceless blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you that in him we have redemption. Father, I thank you that he paid the price we never could have and willingly applied it to our accounts. Father, I ask that as we As we receive this picture this morning, that we would be reminded of what you did to bring us into your family. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. This is a picture of the blood of Christ shed for your sins. So church, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That word proclaim is not a whisper. That word proclaim is shouted from the mountaintops. Jesus Christ died to save sinners. That's me. (laughs) Let's proclaim it together as we celebrate the priceless blood of Jesus Christ. Let's stand.